and welcome to the Hear It podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Roberts, and I'll be speaking with guests about their work, research, and ideas on better engaging young people. I really hope you like it. This week, we're joined by Tanya Martin, Insight Manager at Women in Sport, a national charity that works to give every woman and girl in the UK the opportunity to experience the transformational rewards of sport. Tanya has led the organisation's key insight projects to explore how significant life stages impact on girls' and women's relationship with physical activity. Tanya, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. So tell us a little bit more about your career and how you landed at Women in Sport. Prior to Women in Sport, my background was mainly in higher education. So I was actually a lecturer in sport and exercise psychology for a few years. And this has always been my real kind of love and passion, you know, understanding the psychology behind people getting active and doing sport. And then after having my first child, I wanted a different challenge, really, and something that was a bit more flexible with being a mum. So when the opportunity came up to work at Women in Sport, I grabbed it with both hands. And I've been working here for around four years now. And I still work in higher education alongside that. I'm an associate lecturer at the Open University at the moment as well. And like you said, when I kind of first came to Women in Sport, I worked a lot on about insight projects with women and girls around particularly topics like puberty and menopause. But in the last two or three years, I've been leading much more on our teenage girls work, really. So your recent research, Teenage Girls in Lockdown, really looks at the experience of girls over the past year and how all of that impacts things like friendships, confidence, mental health and being active. Tell us a little bit more about what you found. So this piece of work has been really important for us for a couple of reasons, I think. Firstly, because it follows on from a really key piece of foundational work we did a couple of years ago called Reframing Sport for Teenage Girls. And that was all around teenage girls' lives and understanding what's important to them. And then obviously the pandemic hit. And so we knew that this was going to have a huge impact on their lives and and the things that they value. So it was really important for us to understand that and how it would affect their relationship with sport and exercise. And then I think secondly, young people's voices and especially teenage girls often go unheard and they tend to kind of just blur into the background of everybody else. And I think that's been even more evident during the pandemic, actually, with the bigger broad issues that we've all had to kind of deal with so I think for us it was really important to do this piece of work to give girls more of a voice and to really understand their experiences. In terms of the kind of key findings I think there's a number of things that concerned us from the research. Girls mental health and well-being has really suffered during the past year. We know that the state of you know teen girls mental health before the pandemic was actually really worrying you know data from the Millennium Cohort study suggested that one in four girls were reporting depressive symptoms you know compared to one in ten boys and that was before the pandemic and in the survey that we ran with in this particular piece of research. Um, over half of the girls said that they've really been struggling to stay positive during the pandemic. And I think there's a number of things that have kind of contributed to this. And I think really important and key is that all of the kind of normal activities that contribute to a teen's kind of healthy development have all been stripped away during the past year. You know, they've not been able to socialise or see their family and friends. You know, lots of girls told us that the pandemic had really strained their friendships and has caused a lot of conflict as well, which has, has really affected them quite badly. They've been at home, as, as a lot of us have, for really extensive periods of time. Um, and not going to school regularly and this has caused a lot of boredom and anxiety and loneliness actually and they're feeling quite isolated and I think social media has has, has been a really big key factor this year for again for all of us but particularly for teenage girls it's increased massively you know 88% of the girls that we spoke to said they were spending more time on their phones and on social media which is a massive statistic and it's been the only way really that they can stay connected to their friends in the wider world so perhaps unsurprising but I think what worries us about that is that we know that social media can be really toxic actually for a lot of girls and many of them said that too much time online was really making them anxious I think around kind of 39% said that and I think more generally you know they haven't been able to take part in activities like sport and other extracurricular activities and hobbies that they used to do and so you know the large majority of girls in our study said that they were doing less physical activity 62% said they were doing less than before the pandemic and we all know that regular exercise can have a really positive impact on mental health and well-being but the girls have really really struggled to find the motivation to keep moving and as a result of that you know their fitness levels have 
declined and a you know, significant proportion of them have said that they've lost a lot of confidence in their sporting ability over the past year. But I think we've also seen some really positive things from this report and some really positive shifts in their attitudes and behaviours towards being active. This is what we need really need to focus on moving forward in terms of leveraging those things. The pandemic has really forced girls to kind of reappraise some of the things in their lives. We saw that lots of girls really appreciated spending more quality time with their families and especially their mums as well, who are really prominent figures in their life. You know, they were the, their biggest source of support during the pandemic, they told us, both emotionally and practically, but also in terms of encouragement to get out and be active, you know, over 50% of girls said that their mums were the most important person to getting them active during the pandemic. And I think more generally, like the elevated kind of status of keeping active, you know, that, that's been reinforced by the government and the media over the past year has really helped create more positive attitudes towards sport amongst girls. You know, it was really interesting when we spoke to the girls. I think for a lot of them, the first lockdown was a little bit of a novelty for them. You know, they thought it would be a really welcome break from school and other things that were going on in their lives and they could kind of just chill out for a couple of months. But I think the reality really set in quite quickly for the girls after a few weeks and months and they started to feel really bored really isolated sluggish and really lonely and they could feel you know literally feel their well-being deteriorating on a daily basis this kind of prompted girls and motivated them to start moving more and to get out of the house and I think the restrictions of lockdown you know limited really what all of us could do and girls as well and so we started to see them do more accessible forms of exercise so getting out of the house and walking with friends and family running cycling taking part in online exercise as well and I think doing that exercise gave them a real sense of freedom and connection to others that they were missing you know they told us it made them feel happier it made them feel less stressed and it made them feel really good about themselves this was really important for the, those girls that weren't very active before the pandemic you know for those girls who had who didn't really define themselves as sporty or didn't do much activity it was the first time that they had really felt the benefits of being active and so it gave them really powerful moments of pride and confidence which we we kind of need to leverage moving forward overall we've, we've really started to see some really positive shifts in their attitude you know over half of the girls that we surveyed said that it was more important than ever to stay fit and active and over 82 percent which is a really again a significant stat said that they would put more effort into being active in the future you know which we've never really seen before in terms of those positive attitudes we need to offer much more support and encouragement to you know return to sport for those girls who have lost that confidence and their fitness and ability but we also need to support those girls who have established these kind of new exercise habits and make sure they're not lost and I think the best way we can do that is by making sure we have really exciting and accessible activities that they really want to do. That's really interesting. I think with everything going on digital, it'd be interesting to see what they're like as the months kind of progress. You know, we talk about the social media being a double-edged sword and what I've liked about the teenage girls reframing research and this recent one is, is that realistic? It's not saying social media is all bad. It is this double-edged sword because it has mm. proved a real connector for a lot of young people, but it has, like you say, it has toxic elements of that and what was interesting was 39% of saying that, that too much time on social media made them feel anxious and, and 44% said they'd like to reduce their time on it which I think you know people misconceive that young people just love being on social that they, they do recognize it a, has a negative impact do you think the ECB work done to tackle the social media impact when it comes to confidence and being active or is it about education about what healthy use looks like I think it's a really important point and a really important question actually I think social media is a really challenging and difficult thing to navigate because as you said there are huge benefits to it you know it opens up girls eyes to different experiences and different things that they can do they use it to learn they use it to study they use the online world in so many different and creative ways that really benefits them but you know as you said it gives them that form of social connection but it can also have a really negative impact on their confidence and self-esteem and we've seen that a lot with the girls that we've worked with not just in this research but over the past couple of years and I think our reframing sport research showed that girls really value feeling connected to others and so social media is a huge part of their lives and it gives them a real sense of validation of who they are 
are. And I think from my experience of working with teenage girls, I think they're very, very aware of their online habits. They know what healthy usage looks like. You know, they know if they've been online too much and how it makes them feel. But social media can be very addictive. And knowing it is bad for you does not necessarily make you want to use it any less. You know, in the same way that we all know that playing sport and being physically active is really good for us, it doesn't always motivate all of us to get out all the time and do it. And we know that a lot of girls have experienced bullying and harassment online. And I think platforms and organisations could definitely work much harder to ensure that the online world is a much safer space for girls. And I think we need much more content that really kind of inspires and empowers them to use it in a more kind of positive way. The reality is, is that this generation of teenage girls have grown up in a digital world. You know, they are the first generation to have kind of been online almost from birth, you know, with parents posting pictures of them and having social media accounts. Rather than trying to fight this and just instantly trying to get all girls off of their phones, we have to kind of accept that it's part and parcel of their lives. But what we have to do is find more innovative ways to work with the online world, actually, to get girls more physically active. Sport can be so powerful in giving girls that sense of connection and belonging that they need and to help them feel more confident. But we've got to provide the right opportunities and activities that really excite and inspire them in order for sport and exercise to really compete with what they're doing in the online space. And why do you think we see such a drop off of girls being active in their teenage years compared to boys? There's various different reports out and I'll I'll link a few in the show notes around, you know, how boys, it's such a friendship connector for them, whereas girls have much more one-to-one kind of relationships online. So maybe that's part of the reason. I know it's a big question, but it's just really fascinating one way we see girls drop off, particularly at kind of secondary school. There's um, a number of barriers to getting teenage girls active during the teenage years and they're quite quite complex as well. So there's not a kind of one-size-fits-all solution. On a more practical level, I think girls tend to have less opportunities and access to take part in sport and exercise than boys do. And we know that kind of funding isn't always equal for girls' sports versus boys' sports and activities. We really have to start assessing that and and thinking about what message that sends to girls about how we value them and their participation in sport. Also, we have really deep-rooted gender stereotypes that are still holding girls back from being more active, and especially within the sport arena as well. You know, sport has traditionally been seen as being more for boys and for teenage boys, and we see those gender stereotypes starting to play out as early as ages like seven or eight. But what we do see is it being reinforced a lot in the teenage years. And often, Lee, this is unconsciously as well. It's not people purposely reinforcing these stereotypes. It's often really deep-rooted, unconscious things, you know, that we see within schools and amongst parents and amongst boys and girls themselves as well. So I think there needs to be a bigger kind of education piece there to really keep breaking those stereotypes down. I think we've come a long way um, in the past few years, but there's a lot more we can still do to help girls feel like they truly belong in sport and that it's not just a male-dominated space. Finally, kind of, you know, the life stage that we're talking about here, you know, teenage girls, the life stage of adolescence and all the experiences that they have during puberty is a really important factor that influences drop-off. And we've got some research on puberty that explores this in a bit bit more detail. Obviously, everybody will go through puberty, all children will, boys and girls, but I think girls have to navigate really different challenges to boys. You know, it's a time of massive change for them, physically, emotionally and socially. They've got to come to terms with their changing bodies as they're developing into a more adult woman. You know, and sport and exercise can make them feel really quite exposed and vulnerable at this time. You know, whereas for boys, it's tend to be seen more acceptable for boys to get bigger, stronger and those kind of things, whereas it's not as acceptable for girls. And we know that girls' confidence levels really plummet during puberty as well. And our data shows that this is much more prevalent for girls than it is for boys. In terms of navigating kind of practical challenges, and as I said, bodily changes, you know, they're starting to menstruate as well. And they're trying to learn and cope with this and and manage it as they're kind of growing older. And what we found is that there's actually very little to no support for girls to keep active while they're they're experiencing their periods. Um, You know, one of our stats that that we use a lot, which which we always find quite shocking, is we know around 42% of girls will actively avoid exercise when they're on their period. 
which is really unnecessary. You know, so we're, we're kind of working hard to try and change that too. During puberty, there's also a bigger identity piece going on for girls. You know, they're forging their identity and discovering who they want to be and, and expressing themselves in different ways. We find that for so many girls, you know, sport and exercise just doesn't fit with who they want to be or who they want others to perceive them to be. And sport doesn't really evolve and kind of grow with them. And so we need to work much, much harder to change that, I think, and make sure, as I said earlier, they really feel like they, they belong in that space. Yeah, it's a complex one. And it touched on the next question really around like that, how sport needs to be positioned. At the early stage of that pandemic, I think we're all kind of going out for that walk, kind of enthused mm. uh, with the nice weather as well. And over the course of the year, that kind of motivation dropped alongside kind of increasing mental health kind of concerns with teenage girls it's quite a worrying place interestingly many talk about the positive feeling and sense of accomplishment and feeling good about themselves when they are active and it's just you know how how does sport kind of reposition themselves better for teenage girls our reframing sport work that we've been developing over the past couple of years shows that sport and exercise just doesn't resonate with the large you know vast majority of girls actually and particularly those who don't you know, consider themselves a sporty, you know, the ones that are labelling themselves very early and ruling themselves out of sport, thinking that they're not kind of good enough. Generally, kind of as girls hit their teens, they start feeling that playing sport and being active for the sheer fun and enjoyment of it, which is what it should be about, becomes so less acceptable. And if they're not really athletic or or talented enough, you know, girls don't really feel that there is a place for them in sport and exercise. And if they're not good enough, there's a big kind of fear of failure around that. And so we find that many girls have a really negative and narrow experience of sport, often through kind of and, and sport, sport activities and those kind of things. And this really sticks with them throughout time and really forms those kind of really negative attitudes and associations with sport. And we've got to work much, much harder to change that. There are lots of other things going on in girls' lives that sport and exercise has to compete with. We've already talked about social media and other things like that. And so we really do need to position it in a more relevant way that will resonate with them. And I think if anyone's kind of looking to do that, you know, through our reframing work, we've developed eight principles for success, which organisations can use to really start breaking down those barriers and help reframe sport as something that is really exciting and really inspiring and more meaningful to girls lives and what advice would you give to marketing communications teams wanting to better understand youth audiences obviously you've been doing this for a while and mm. um, what's worked really well in terms of getting youth perspectives at women's sport i think if you want to kind of better engage youth audiences you need to have a really clear understanding of who your target audience is i think firstly you know we've done a lot of work around this over the past couple of years to specifically try and help the sports sector better understand teenage girls and who they want to target with their programs and initiatives what we often find is that everyone treats teenage girls as this big homogenous group you know they're all the same um, and especially when it comes to sport and it honestly couldn't be further from the truth girls have different levels of maturity ranging from kind of age 11 to age 16 they have different interests and different needs and that changes quite a lot during those kind of adolescent years um, and when it comes to sport specifically you know they've got real different needs and experiences and we've got to understand those better because how you engage a really active and sporty girl is going to be completely different to how you engage a girl who's got little to no interest in sport at all um, so you've really got to get that targeting right and that understanding of the group right and I think once you know who you want to target I think it's then a case of taking time to get to know and understand them on a much deeper level you know at women in sport our work is very very insight driven you know we carry out research with girls and we also co-create with them on a regular basis as well you know they sit at the heart of everything that we do and we really let the girls lead our understanding and shape our insights and campaigns that we, that we do and, you know in our recent lockdown research for example you know we worked with those girls over a two-month period so we took a long time to kind of get to know them we immersed ourselves in their lives and followed what they were doing built relationships with them you know through the different activities we did like focus groups and diaries and an online community which allowed them to be really creative and shape ideas and and really open up and speak to us so I think it's about you know having a really clear idea of who you want to target and why and then taking the time to really listen and understand them and that 
that's where you're going to unlock the most powerful insights to be engaged them better. And um, are there any brands or campaigns that you think do a really good job at engaging young people? I think as a brand and an app, I think TikTok is really dwarfing other things at the moment. And we've noticed this has become much more popular amongst teenage girls over the past couple of years as well. And especially during the pandemic when they were searching for ways to kind of keep entertained and connected to the wider world. This generation of teenage girls are a very creative bunch and a very engaging bunch, uh, but you kind of need to give them the opportunities and, and resources to, to get involved. And I think TikTok allows allows people to do that. I think in terms of campaigns, something that I've seen more recently, which I really, really like, um, is the Vans Off The Wall campaign. It basically brings together the Vans fashion brand and the skateboarding culture that they have all around that. And I think they really understand their audience. And, you know, the, the campaign really celebrates diversity and creativity and individuality. All of those things are really important to Gen Z. And more recently, in, in light of the pandemic, they've kind of revamped it a little bit to include things like friendship and community because they know they are kind of key issues that have been coming through. And I think, yeah, as a campaign, it really taps into a lot of the values that Gen Z have. And I think it's a really good one. And just finally, are there any books or podcasts or newsletters that you'd recommend that we check out? Not being too biased, but the Women in Sport podcast <laughs> is a great listen. Uh, we cover all sorts of issues and topics relating to women and girls in sport and exercise. So I would highly recommend that for anybody who wants to know more about our work. I'm really um, impressed by an organisation called Girls Talk. So it's a community-led, non-profit organisation, and they provide resources and kind of a safe space for girls and young women to talk about a whole range of issues that might be affecting them and particularly around kind of mental health as well and they do this through an online community so they've got a website they've got they've got an instagram account things like that they do podcasts and they also do live events as well that they kind of invite young women and girls to and i think it's just such a great positive resource for girls and young women so i would definitely check that out um, if you're a bit geeky like me um, and are interested in kind of understanding more of the psychology behind you know getting people active i'd recommend reading Reading the Psychology of Exercise by Josephine Perry. It provides, you know, some of the theory behind how we can get different groups of people active. But I think what's, what's really good about the book is that it also provides case studies of how this has been done in practice uh, and on the ground kind of within the sports sector. Thank you for listening to the Hear It podcast. You can find links to everything we talked about in the show notes. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at the Hear It podcast or threadandfable.com. And if you've enjoyed the show today, please drop us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts.